0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by ZoDigital.jp, an SEO and digital marketing agency dedicated to helping businesses succeed in Japan. Look for the elephant logo at ZoDigital.jp. Greetings, everyone. Today's episode is a fun ride with Ruth Jarman, the CEO of Jarman International. Their tagline is connecting international curiosity with Japanese content. Pretty cool, huh? Ruth has been a Tokyo fixture and international cultural connector for nearly 35 years in Japan. Hey, longer than me. She's also a published author of six books in Japanese. We talk about these books and their content and her passion for Japan. We also discuss Reading the Air, Kukio Yomu and other non-verbal communication styles. Her top three cultural reasons why Japan is uniquely wonderful and her new corporate partner who is helping solve the Japanese banking nightmare foreigners often face here in Japan. And a lot more. So, direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen, with Ruth Jarman.
1: Hi everybody. <laughs> Let's get it started. What you Just do. to warn you, yep. the other day when I started to sing on the live stream, yep. we lost like 200 viewers. So I shouldn't sing. And then when I stopped singing and they started talking again, they all came back. <laughs> it's so rude.
0: Um, well, hey, It, it happened.
1: Japanese are, like, top level in the world for no-word communication. I kind of knew that because people would always ask me, what is difficult for you about Japanese language? And I would always say, honestly, the words that are not spoken are the most difficult for me, where you have to read the air, that I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I have no idea. And then sometimes my ex-husband, when, for instance, when my dad would say something or somebody else would say something, my ex-husband would say... I think what they really mean is this. And it would be exactly opposite from what they had actually said. Okay. And I said, No. My dad is saying exactly what he thinks. He's Your there Dad is...
0: your dad said he wants to have donuts for breakfast. And yeah. he interpreted it as
1: And like my ex husband would say, I don't think he likes donuts. And I'd be like, No, no, no. He said he likes donuts, which means he likes donuts. And my husband would be like, No. He means he, he didn't like the donuts we gave him. And, and so, okay, wait. So so does that mean that Japanese have
0: this kind of like ESP and no, no. sense on reading people's no. minds?
1: So basically in Japan, the person is usually saying what they think is proper to say in that situation. And the job of the person listening to them is to figure out exactly what they're trying to say, like what they really are trying to say. In Japan, when you have people interacting with each other, They're always trying to figure out what are they really trying to say. And in the actual words that come out of your mouth, it's more like hints. It's not really like specifically, this is what I want. High context communication So why don't they
0: just speak directly to each other?
1: Because they've had such a long history just speaking to each other. Actually, in Japan, it's a very valued um, skill to be able to communicate with few words
0: yeah, I mean, that's one of the, the typical examples that they use in business is that uh, kentousuru, I'll think about it, basically means no. Yeah, It's a so polite it's, way of saying no.
1: I would say that it's extremely nuanced, and I would also say that it's very respected when you can communicate with few words. It's just more cool. Yeah. Whereas... In the U.S., we're very clear with what we do because if you look, there's actually a graph that international researchers have created about communication styles in different countries, and out of 10, the score 10, Japan scores 9.2 as high context. So like top level in the whole world, like top three countries for high context. So
0: 9.2 is the highest on that scale? uh,
1: 9.7 was Thailand, and that's the highest. But 9.2 is very high, so very high context. America, what do you think the score is?
0: 3.4.
1: 0.5. That's how low context (laughs) we are. It's because, you know, we were all immigrants and we were all speaking English as a second language and we just had to get by from about 250 years ago, and so it becomes very clear. It's very important when you're trying to function in Japan that you know that this difference exists. No one is saying you have to change. Like, you don't have to be high context, because we can't. If we're used to a low context environment, we can't. And nobody is telling the high context person, suddenly, when you're speaking to a Japanese person, you need need to be more low context. What I say is, or whenever you're speaking to somebody who's not Japanese, let's all practice going low context, because it's very difficult to communicate for us.
0: Well, it's also, correct me if I'm wrong, getting around to your business, isn't that some of the... Consulting that yeah, maybe that's you exactly do? what I do, yes. Why do you suppose it's so difficult for Japan to promote itself?
1: Mm, I think denim is the best example. So Japanese denim, out of the top 10 denim companies, like 7 of them are from Japan. Totally under the radar. Because in Japan, it's better not to stand out.
0: Just being humble?
1: Being humble or just like keep it on the low is a really cool thing in Japan uh, there's, a, there's a phrase in Japanese "Fto, mireba Take off the lid and to your surprise What did you find? The denim situation in Japan It tells the perfect story of Japan All this most amazing content Nobody will ever think that they've gotten to the highest level yet So no one will ever have the confidence to say, oh, we're the best in the world now, so you have to look at Japan now. No, no one in Japan would ever say that.
0: Okay, Ruth. Yes. You are the author of six books.
1: Yes, I am. In Japanese. I wrote books in Japanese. Can you believe that? I don't even, I mean, that's not even my mother tongue.
0: That is amazing, actually. You're really going old school about this whole I love Japan thing. Anyway, so you have a book called The 33 Things That Japan Should Be Proud Of. That was my first book. And then you have another book called The 39 Things That... Yeah. Did you just add six things?
1: No. So that was... It's a good question. The 33 Things was the first one. And then I did another 33, which was the second one, which was called, Yeah.
0: Translated is...
1: Uh, Japanese people are great. And so then...
0: Yeah. It would be more like... As I thought, Japanese are incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then the final one was, what we did is we sort of combined the first book and the second book with several more new chapters. So that's where it became 39. I see. Yeah. Well, why don't
0: you make a compilation book and just call it 72 things that Japanese should be proud of? Yeah, maybe
1: they will. I mean, I leave that to the publisher because it's so much work to make these books. It's so much work. Where do
0: you come up with these I mean, we could say it's 72 things, right? You got 33 plus plus thirty. But, I
1: mean, I have limitless amounts.
0: Okay, so give me your top three things that are segoi or incredible that Japanese should be proud of. Your top three. Top three? Yeah. And do you want to rank them in one, two, three? Like a like going number three, number two, number one? Or do you want to just make it general? I, I should
1: probably start from maybe just the top three without an order.
0: Okay. Do you want to think about it?
1: No. I would say one of the top three is the extreme focus on a long-term view is one of the things that Japan can be proud of and that we can all learn from. Never would they want to have something done tomorrow. It's a very consensus-based society. And yeah, there's really good things about off-the-hip, you know, off-the-cuff kind of decision-making that can also be very innovative and good. But... The Japanese focus on trying to build consensus and trying to move forward together with everybody on the same page is something that everybody could learn from.
0: Is that one of the reasons why so many foreign companies struggle when they come to Japan? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely, because they don't understand that part of it. That's one thing. Can I say the other two first? The other one is... Uh, 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 uh,
0: Wait a second. Because that point is very valid. It is. And I agree with it. But do you sometimes think that might hold back from a business perspective? A lot of Japanese companies have fallen behind, say, Korean companies, some Chinese companies. They haven't been able to keep up. This long-term view, they're not nimble enough or they're not flexible enough to, to change to keep up with the competition around the world?
1: I, I already I, I have a theory. The only way to solve that problem is with diversity. The point of my book is to let Japanese people know you do not have to feel inhibited about the kind of person that you are. The the Japanese sense of how to do business or the Japanese sense of art or the Japanese sense of communication, it is so important in this world as one aspect of humanity.
0: But what do you mean by diversity?
1: What I'm saying is that Okay, we had the world financial crisis, the Lehman shock, as they know it in Japan. Yes. I truly believe that if the board of Lehman Brothers at that time had included an Indian person, a Japanese person, and maybe several other people from other countries with different styles of doing business, never would have happened because the Japanese person, if they had had enough confidence in themselves... And if they had enough confidence in them, in the long-term view that Japanese people usually have, they would be saying, "Wait, wait, what? What do you mean? How? What? How did you bundle these? You know, mortgages? I would like. Could you t- say that again? Because I don't get it."
0: I've worked for three Japanese companies throughout my career in Japan, but if I were to, as in. At the, with those Japanese companies, I wasn't a, an executive board member of any of them. But none of them ever came to me and said, you know, hey, Andrew, we would like to know your opinion about this, that, or the other thing. Never happened.
1: So in those Japanese companies, what percentage of their revenue was from outside of Japan?
0: That's a good point. Very, very, very little.
1: Yeah, so they didn't need your opinion. They, they were functioning. Like, up until now, Japan has been basically... JAL on the domestic flights 99.9% of their customers have been Japanese they've never had to think about what to do if a non-Japanese person comes on a domestic airlines flight in Japan but now, you ready? 2.08% of the population of Japan right now is non-Japanese never in the history of Japan as far as anyone can remember has that ever happened so Japan is going through a fundamental change right now
0: still 98% Japanese.
1: But I believe that by 2030, it's going to be 10% is non-Japanese. Uh, okay, one more. I'll, I'll just say one more thing. Is that I'm on the board of the Kanagawa Prefecture Regional Revitalization Committee. And so we talk about how to revitalize the region. The federal government has given directives to all the different prefectures about how to revitalize your region. Okay. You ready for this? I'm
0: standing by.
1: Last year, we received the directives from the federal government in Japan about how to revitalize Kanagawa. So, you need to create a new flow of people into your prefecture. One of the three points of how to create the new flow of people was how to, it tr- how to attract non-Japanese people into your prefecture. That was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that.
0: But that's a government-level initiative. But at the, at the grassroots level, do they really want to have foreigners there?
1: Well, 18% increase in foreign residents happened in Fukui Prefecture in 2018. Wow. And everybody is seeing that as, like, a major success. They're not seeing it as, oh my gosh, you got so many gaijins, what are you going to do about it? They're seeing, like, how did you do that? That's what everybody's saying.
0: But the majority, I've seen some, I don't know who did it, whether it was the Nikkei or somebody, they took a survey of just general Japanese, how they feel about the influx of especially foreign workers into Japan. And over 50% was either negative or indifferent. Like Uh they weren't sure if it was good or if it was bad.
1: Well, yeah. Well, best of luck to them. Because it already started, it's not going to (laughs) stop. In 2018, out of all the new 20-year-olds, you know, Seijinshiki, right? Where everybody comes of of age. All of the 20-year-olds in Shinjuku in 2018, 45% were non-Japanese. Bring it on, baby. It's already started. You can't avoid this anymore. And those are people living here. Whoa, 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 whoa. In Shinjuku. Nearly
0: 50% of Shinjuku 20-year-olds were non-Japanese.
1: Yes, 45.6%. And that was announced by NHK. Out of all of Tokyo. You
0: know know your stuff, but that seems a bit distorted.
1: Right? All of Tokyo, one out of eight 20-year-olds was non-Japanese. And you know, there could be lots of reasons Like there's a lot of uh, Because all of the Japanese universities Are trying to survive with foreign students, right? Right Because the population is going down It's the demographics that are fo- that are forcing this to happen yeah. So the population is going down So for Tokyo University, Waseda University, Keio University All of them to survive They need to get a whole bunch of visiting students
0: いいですか?
1: <laughs> you just heard some data that freaked your mind So you went back to beer
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think I need to, need to cloud my judgment here I'm telling you,
1: I'm telling you This country is going through a fundamental change right now
0: Alright, I believe you Okay, so we had the first point We got a little bit off track, but that's fine Okay, number two
1: Number two is I like the concept of tsukusu, Like give your all to everything I often bring it up in terms of like wives who will give their all for their family and men who will give their all for the company. You know, the concept of taking it to the higher level is really good in Japan. What we Westerners would imagine as this is good enough, somehow Japanese people are able to take it to that next level. And that is something that I love about Japan.
0: Now... The flip side of that is more individualism and thinking about me as number one. So is this a group mentality thing that which Japanese are famous for? Or is this something different?
1: I think it's an attitude of it's never good enough. So no matter how beautiful something is...
0: skusu, skusu,
1: is... no, no. So the reason why you can do... Oh, oh that's a good point. So the reason why... You can do tsukusu and give your best or like give more than you expect. Right. It's because you You give
0: more than you get back. You enjoy giving more than you expect to get back.
1: Right. Because you never reach the level that you're aiming for. Here it's like you never are able to achieve the level that you're aiming for. So you're constantly trying to do better.
0: Because I've always heard this word tsukusu. I've always heard it usually when it's referred to relationships, family, couples, friendships. But I've never heard that word used in the business sense. So what is the motivation behind employees wanting to take it to the next level? And I know exactly what you mean because I used to work in Meguro. Right there at Meguro Station, there's a big tall building and there was a real estate uh, company on the first floor. And every morning, employees that worked there would be out with those big, long tongs. Yes. And they would be wearing... Their jacket. They would be wearing a jacket that had the name of their real estate agency on it. It was like a windbreaker. And they would be out there as a group picking up cigarette butts and empty cans. And they'd be picking up trash off off the sidewalk. And they were doing it as a group. That is an amazing thing. But if I was hired by a company to do a job picking up trash... Before work starts, is not part of my job description.
1: That means that you don't understand the ecosystem of Japan in the areas. So I also worked at real estate for a long time, right? But this is—I
0: just used real estate agency as as an example. It could be a travel agency. It could be a moving company. It could be anything.
1: It could be the garbage collector. Well, that's
0: kind of what they were doing.
1: In Japan, there's a fundamental concept of everyone is watching you. Right. If everybody is watching you, you have to do the perfect job every single time. If you are constantly under the assumption that someone is watching you, then that means in your house you're not going to play the music really loud because somebody is watching and somebody might... Somebody might be put out because your music is so loud, and then maybe they can't sleep. That's why you wouldn't vacuum early in the morning because that might bother somebody around you who's watching you. Yeah. There's all these rules in Japan about community and trying to contribute to the community.
0: Well, not every company does this, but I thought it was a bit of a PR stunt because they, they were wearing these red windbreakers with the name of the real estate agency right on the windbreaker and they're out in force hey look we're from this real estate agent we're picking up garbage so you can trust us and we you know we're wonderful
1: why do you think japanese fan of the soccer team would stay in a foreign stadium and clean stuff up where do you think that comes from
0: I agree with you on that point. That was a very altruistic, that was something definitely Japanese can be
1: proud of. Actually, I think Japanese people just hate when it looks messy. They hate it. There's something deep inside them that when it looks messy, they want to clean it up. So it's kind of like I cannot leave this stadium unless I clean this stuff up because it's bothering me.
0: I agree. If it's your house, your your neighborhood, you know, your your immediate area, but all they have to do is leave the stadium and they're gone. There are people that are paid to clean up that stadium.
1: Yeah. But, no. So that's where the difference comes in, right? Yeah. That. So that's where I tried to say in the book that mentality of not being able to leave the stadium with um, paper on the ground just kimi naru. It bothers you, yeah. so, but they
0: cleaned their direct area. It was yeah. a reflection of them. They didn't go around and like clean section A seven and section B thirteen or anything. They just cleaned up their general vicinities, yeah, right?
1: They, they didn't clean the whole stadium because that would be <laughs> weird. But, that would um, be weird. Yeah,
0: cleaning up is after a, oneself is very refreshing.
1: Yeah, so like it translates into the whole Tsukusu idea because. I don't want to let my child leave the house until they are absolutely perfect. Their uniform is right. They have everything in their, you know, backpack that they need. Their shoes look clean. Their shoes are neatly tied. Their hair looks nice. You know, there's something about the Tsukusu part of taking something to the next level Mm -hmm. that is so deeply ingrained in Japan that I... I appreciate that a lot. And I I think that there's a lot that we could learn from that.
0: Is that also not referred to as perfectionism?
1: Yeah, maybe. So I'm not saying that it doesn't exist in other countries. It definitely does. But in Japan, it's the general rule.
0: That's the default.
1: It's the default. That's exactly right.
0: Okay, number three.
1: Number three. I guess I would just have to say that I love the part about Japan, about being under the wire. Everybody loves to be very subdued in their success. They don't like to stand out. They're always thinking, but there's more that I could do. So they wouldn't be standing in front of people saying, look at this and look at what I did and isn't this great and whatever. It's like, oh my goodness, somebody else who's Japanese won the Nobel Prize. Why? And then you figure out that they discovered something so incredible 20 years ago. Being comfortable with being under the radar is another one that I really like. Being humble. I wouldn't describe it as humble. It's more like I don't want to I don't want to boast because I think remember what you were saying earlier about the risk adverse? Yeah I think Japanese feel if they boast about something, it's a very risky thing. So if they boast about something, it's very risky because what if it doesn't follow you know what is it what if it doesn't happen? as they said?
0: That's a good point.
1: Yeah, so they try to stay out Damn. of the limelight. And I'm not saying that I think that that is a perfect thing to do or a good thing to do. All I'm saying is that that is a unique aspect of this culture.
0: Yeah. Good point. That's great. So three of the 72 aspects. (laughs) Are you ever going to translate your book into English or Chinese or or Korean? Uh,
1: I wish I could, but I don't think the jokes would translate.
0: Are there a lot of jokes in your books?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of jokes, Japanese jokes, and like play on words and things like that.
0: Uh, Oyaji gag? Yeah, Oyaji gag. Give me one.
1: But um okay so when I first came to Japan you might have had the same experience No First coming prob- to Japan? Yeah, I had you, that experience. You, you probably didn't because you are smarter than I am, but I was such
0: Now ed- you're being humble.
1: No, but I I have so many gaffes, so many big mistakes that I made. When I first came to Japan this is something that could not translate into English. It's very hard to translate. Gambatte. I literally thought... Because I would go to Fukuoka because that's where my ex-husband was from. So I would go to Fukuoka all the time in Kyushu. And we would be driving on the freeway. And I didn't ride in cars very often because you don't really need cars in Japan, at least in Tokyo. Yeah. So we would be driving on the freeway and I would see Shibuya. You can get to Shibuya in 5 kilometers. Shibuya, 10 kilometers. What? why are Japanese people living with their focus as Shibuya? Because everywhere you go, it says Shibuya 10 kilometers, Shibuya something. And I'm like, I do not get this. I thought that Japanese people just lived with Shibuya at their center of the universe. But Shibuya and the kanji for Jutai is very similar. So Shibuya, the city... Jutai, traffic jam. Traffic jam. So Shibuya... The city, and Jutai, which means traffic jam, actually, from a first-timer's point of view, the uh, Chinese characters look very similar.
0: They do. Okay.
1: Kyushu is much further than 10 kilometers. Uh, (laughs) Okay. So that's, like, one of the jokes I made.
0: Okay. I got one for you. What's the Japanese word for cute? Kawaii. Right. Kawaii. Right? You hear it all the time in Japan. Kawaii, kawaii, Kawaii. 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 Okay? It's an adjective. Looks delicious in Japanese me is... Too. Hold on. Could you, could you follow follow me here? I got you. <laughs> you know where I'm going with yes. this. Looks delicious is...
1: Uh, oishiso.
0: Right. My grammatical, I thought the word so, it looks delicious. Oishi is Japanese for delicious. Looks delicious. Oishiso. I thought that putting so at the end of an adjective made it, oh, it looks whatever the adjective is. So when I would see... Baby or a young wife, uh, mother with her baby. Oh, kawaii so. <laughs> what we haven't explained here is that kawaii so in Japanese means "I feel sorry for you."
1: But that's so confusing. It is. They should change that.
0: But did you use that one in your book?
1: No, because but I did have that same experience.
0: All right. Japanese speakers know that ZO means elephant in Japanese. ZO Digital Japan is an SEO and digital marketing agency based in Tokyo. Contact them to help your business grow traffic by four times, seven times, and even ten times in one year with services such as SEO, content marketing, pay-per-click advertising, and more. Head to the website ZOdigital.jp and look for the elephant logo. You wrote six books, and a lot of them are why Japanese should be proud of who they are. Yeah. What do you hope to get out of these books? What do you want people to take away from these books?
1: When Japanese read the book, I want them to think, oh, so I can do this. I can do this international thing. I can be myself and still interact with the Gai I don't have to change. That's what I want them to think.
0: All right. 30 years, 32 years, as you said, you've done a lot of great things. You are a true foreigner success story in Japan, Ruth. Yeah, thank you. What's your greatest accomplishment? What are you most proud of?
1: I think I was most proud of, so one of my big clients is Sony Bank. And Sony Bank is trying to make an online service that's the most friendly to non-Japanese in Japan. We are in the whole process of consulting with them about all the horrible stories that you and I have about Japanese banks. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. The first thing we did is we got the entire Core 50 group to come in and have a discussion with Sony people. 50 Gaijin. 50 Gaijin, all long-term residents Yes. who love Japan but hate Japanese banks.
0: And speak Japanese. And
1: speak Japanese. They all discuss all different aspects of we feel like criminals when we go into Japanese banks and it's so frustrating and how many times have we all cried in Japanese banks and stuff, right?
0: I cried just this afternoon. You did? I did huge crocodile tears.
1: Really? Because I do. I literally cry at Japanese banks sometimes. I've cried three (laughs) times. Anyway, when I was able to bring that group in and bring the Sony people in and see them interacting and communicating and the Japanese side truly interested in what the gaikokujin side is saying. Honestly, interacting with them, and trying to figure out a better service for the gaikokujin, that was an incredible sense of satisfaction to me. Wow. I studied international relations in Boston. I feel like every single day is sort of that, trying to figure out the win-win for the Japanese side and the non-Japanese side, and bring people together. And so those are the moments when I feel most satisfied, when that happens.
0: Wonderful. I like that story.
1: So my theme for this year is kind of intentional. Like, I really want to live with intent. The the whole concept of we're so busy, we don't have time to really concentrate on what we're doing at the moment. Like, I'm really trying to concentrate on this, on you right now. How about you, this year? Do you have a theme?
0: I guess my theme for this year would be creation, creativity. Something like that.
1: How do we bring together minds of people who are very different, but then are trying to look for a new alternative to how we do things? And what I'm trying to get at with this podcast, with you, what you're doing, with your creation and your your idea for this year, yeah, is that I think in order to make a change and in order to somehow sort of focus us down a new road or like a different road or something that helps towards survival of humanity and things. Um,
0: Ruth, um, I have to tell you one thing. My podcast isn't that deep.
1: No, but I'm trying to say (laughs) is that one of the most important things is that everybody has lots of options for information. Right. So they need people like you to lighten them up and think, okay, maybe I will listen to something else besides what I usually listen to Good And point. then you get different yeah. you know viewpoints
0: because think about it. I've lived in Japan 30 years. I assume you've lived in Japan 30 years 32 32 okay. So Wait,
1: why are we two years off? When did you come? What year?
0: I came this year in I, I came this time in 1991
1: If we graduated the same year in high school, yeah. So you didn't come right after college here?
0: No, I actually came to Japan the first time right after high school. Okay. And I lived here for about a year and a half, and then I went back to university in the U.S. Yeah. Graduated in 91, already had a job with a Japanese company, and then I, I've been here this time since 1991. So if you add it all up, maybe it's 31 years, maybe it's... I just like round numbers. Wait,
1: wait. If you graduated in 1984, why did you graduate college in 1991?
0: Because I... Did wow, you look at you play?
1: I think you might have played. Look at
0: you little mathematician over here. <laughs> After high school, I worked for a summer to save up enough money for a round-trip ticket to Japan. Okay. And I came to Japan on a tourist visa. Yes. And I looked for a job. I found a job at Nova.
1: Nova. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: I'm. I'm glad you came. Thank you for coming. <laughs> well, <laughs> Me likewise. too. Me yeah. too. Thank you for coming.
0: Well, I looked at your profile on LinkedIn to do a little bit of research about Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And one interesting little quinkey dink is that you and I graduated from high school the very same year.
1: 1984, baby.
0: You got that right. What two songs were in the top 40? Do you remember in 1984?
1: Top forty. Well, I, w- I was a cheerleader, so I'll tell you what was popular among the cheerleaders. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. I have the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really important one. My favorite song.
0: By who? Who was the who sang I Have the, I have the Tiger? tiger yes. Rocky. N- no, who was the band? <laughs> who was the band that sang the song?
1: <laughs> I See, no I used idea. to be a DJ,
0: so this I, I know.
1: I I have the tiger. Survivor. Survivor. Oh my gosh, there were so many songs that were popular. Thriller. Oh. Yeah, well, of course, that's like a given. So all of my Japanese friends say, English songs are so hard to figure out what the words are. And I'm like, that's totally true, even for me. Yeah. Like, for the longest time, I thought... Yeah, um, it's true. Wait, wait, what is it? What is his song? Um, <laughs> keep on. So, keep on with the force, don't stop. Don't stop till you get enough, right? Right, For the longest time, I thought it was, keep on to the post office, (laughs) don't stop till you get enough. And I was like, man, Michael Jackson must love the post office. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Arigatozaimasu.
1: Keep on, to the post office.
0: All right, this is, I'm really dating myself here. Okay. Okay, so the Kinks sang a song called, You Really Got Me.
1: You really got me down. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly, yeah.
0: yes. But they, when they say, you really got me, you really got me, I thought they were saying Idi Amin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: You know who Idi Amin I was? I
1: do. He was bad. Yeah. He but was, I mean.
0: He was like a dictator in Africa. But I know. But, it, it, but he was, when I, when I heard that song, when the kinks were on the radio, because I grew up on FM radio.
1: Yeah. Me too.
0: I guess that was in the news or something. I should probably research it, but...
1: It probably was because yeah. that was when the there was a, a doctor from Scotland and there's a, a famous book about this. A doctor from Scotland was the one who treated Idi Amin and there's a like some book about it, yeah. which I read. But um, From your
0: dad's bookcase?
1: No, not from my dad's bookcase. But yeah, Idi Amin was not a good guy.
0: No, he was not. But, but I
1: can understand how you make a mistake like that.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. So how do you like this place?
1: This place is great. The pasta looked really good.
0: This is the food menu. I'm kind of hungry, too. No,
1: I, I trust you. Just order what you like. I'm not so, uh, like, 100% focused on me, meat. I don't eat much n- meat.
0: Me either. But you are like you, pasta. Like,
1: are you plant-based, pretty much? No, I'm
0: moderation-based. Yeah,
1: I try to be plant-based.
0: Arabiata, I like that. Okay. Ja, Arrabiata pasta, too.
1: Can we get the organic vegetable salad?
0: Yes, the organic vegetable salad.
1: Okay. Creamy mashed potato.
0: That's not quite a mushroom. I mean, potatoes and mushrooms <laughs> are a little bit different, but hey, I guess it's <laughs> so, still.
1: Sounds good. That sounds good.
0: Vegetable based, yeah. yeah. One more beer? Or something uh, else? Oh, go for your yuzu thing. Yeah,
1: I want that yuzu thing. Yeah. I know. Cool. <laughs>
0: This was uh, very amazing talking to you. Thank you. You got so much great insight and so much passion about Japan. I love it. Thanks a lot for coming and cheers.
1: Well, thank you so much. Cheers.
0: And that was Ruth Jarman. Find out more about Ruth Jarman, her business, all of her activities, and the great things she is doing to promote Japan to the whole wide world at Jarman-International.com or contact her directly on LinkedIn. For more episodes and discussion like today's concerning business, culture, and other Japan expert insights, check out nowinzenjapan.jp. There you can leave a review, a comment, and search over 60 previous episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening and catch you later. Bye, everyone.